0: Welcome to One Book That Changed My Life, where entrepreneurs and experts share one book and the life-changing principles they apply. In each episode, you'll discover business books, past and present, that are changing the lives of people just like you. We'll cover some hidden gems, some lost classics, and shed new light on books you thought you knew. Guests range from up-and-coming coaches, consultants, speakers, and authors, to big names sharing things they've never shared on podcasts before. I'm Matt Johnson, agency owner, podcaster, and author of Microfamous. I'll be your host for this journey through the land of life-changing books. So let's dig in. Welcome back to One Book That Changed My Life. We have an amazing guest. Laura Jack is here. We're talking about the Grief Recovery Handbook, which I have not read because when the, when you're ready, the teacher appears. And apparently, I'm not ready, which is what we're joking about before we hit record. Uh, so this is going to be a really fun and very interesting and probably deep conversation because we're going to talk about how the book impacted her life. And if you don't know Laura, you absolutely should. So in addition to being a keynote speaker or corporate trainer, she's developed a, an entire Compassion Code Academy, which she might mention a little bit about. She's the author of the compassion code uh and really helps heart center leaders get to a point where they get over compassion fatigue so that they can actually show up and be genuinely not just helpful but impactful as one of my clients said there is a big difference between being helpful and impactful uh and if you are a heart center person uh that is sometimes hard to do you know i grew up um, in a religious household. So I remember reading stories of people that would go into mission work and they would burn out to the point where they, they left the work or they had to abandon their family and their kids hated them. Like there's, there's a definitely a way for you. There are certain personality types that are drawn to overcommitting, committing, and essentially getting trapped by their own compassion. So Laura helps those people balance all those things out. So first of all, um, Laura, thanks so much for being here and welcome officially.
1: Thank you so much. Thanks. I really love hearing you share what I do and who I am. So thank you. (laughs)
0: Good. (laughs) Well, hopefully I can give you a good intro. Uh, But the best intro is from you. So when you run into somebody in the circles that you run in, how do you explain what you do?
1: Very similarly, actually, to how you just said it. I'm Mm -hmm. like, damn, boy, you did great. (laughs) Um, No, you did. You did really. I mean, I, I feel like what you're saying is so beautiful, because you said, um, people whose families, one of my core values is integrity. And one of my greatest intentions in life, I have two little kids, is that my kids never say, like, when people are like, your mom's so amazing, and she helped us, and she did this, and they're like, well, you don't really know her. Yeah, exactly. You're talking about the person who
0: told me to clean up my room this morning, that person? Like, yeah.
1: (laughs) So my intention is to always be an integrity and authentically myself everywhere I go. Um, And and so that as a heart-centered, compassionate leader who has an impact and a mission, in life to help the world be more emotionally resilient, intelligent, and healed um, that, you know, the people who I love most don't get left behind. So,
0: yes, that, that is definitely hard because it's easy to get focused on the big impact that you're making. And then you start to forget about the people that are closest to you that are actually your primary responsibility. Okay. So uh, I just, I did want to mention that in the service of uh, the work that you do, you have trained something like a thousand uh, grief recovery, trainer, counselor type, type folks that have gone through that program. You're the youngest trainer in the history of that program. As I recall, if I, if we talked about that correctly. Um, so you, you have, you've got a ton of experience in this, right? So we're going to, we're going to set the scene a little bit. I want you to take me to back to before the book came into your life. Uh, what were you doing? What was your life like? Maybe a little bit about your business. I don't know if you're in business for yourself at that point or working in corporate by that point, but yeah, set the scene for me a little bit. What was it like?
1: So We'll rewind because I the book came into my life in um, January of 2012, I think. Or maybe it was, no, sorry, January of 2013. So okay. we're going to rewind before that because it was 2008 when my mom was killed and run right. over by a car. So my life was like, yay, fun, happy. I was, I've always been an entrepreneur. I started hostels and bars in Panama with friends sure. from college. So like, <laughs> I've always been like, don't tell me what to do. This is the way I'm going to do it. Right. I just sure. have always been a little bit of a rebel without a cause. Uh, but my friends and I moved down to central America, uh, started hostels and bars. And so that was my life. And it was fun. I had just met my future husband, mm. um, living the life of my dreams, uh, pretty in love and excited about life. Mm. And then my mom was run over by a car mm. and it was shocking and tragic and life altering. And uh, the wind went out of my sails. And I mean, to say the least, really, but, um, my mom, who was my very best friend and my favorite person, um, it just destroyed me. And I did not know how to go forward because I didn't even know who I was without my mom. I was only 25 years old and I was just kind of at the precipice of adulthood, really. And still very much attached even though I was living abroad I was very much attached to my mom and and so her death really just it was the beginning of my own kind of awakening journey Hmm. Um, my own kind of discovery of myself and so so I kind of I actually just did an Instagram live on this but I went to massage school because I needed to learn how to receive and then I became a health coach because I needed to learn how to actually be healthy in mind, body, and spirit. And then I created a program for holistic healing. Like literally, like everything I did, I teach so I can learn stuff. That's like that's really how I learned. Yeah. So I learned, I, became, I created Surviving to Thriving, which is like a holistic approach to healing after loss. And yeah. that was because I was trying to answer the question, who am I now? Okay. Who am I now without my mother? Who am I now with, you know, I, I also ended up leaving my, the work that I had been doing down in Panama. You know, so I was like, I don't know who I am. And then I have this guy who like expects me to be fun and cool. And I'm yeah. like full of grief and heartache. And, yeah. and so, you know, then after, you know, becoming, uh, doing Surviving to Thriving, then I was, well, I was still health coaching. And I was like, my dad's a financial advisor. So I go to my dad, it's the anniversary of my mother's death. <sighs> and I said, dad, do you think I can make this health coaching thing work? And he's like, well, (laughs) let's get out the spreadsheets. And like, we start like number crunching. And I'm like, this is not what I want. I wanted my mom who would be like, of course, I believe in you. You can do Um, anything. Yeah. Right. So I like yeah. go to my bedroom. I'm at my home, like the family home I grew up in. And I go to my bedroom and I'm like crying, and I was like, I wish my mom were here. She would know what I should do with my life. And if this is right, I was kind of feeling like it wasn't right because I didn't like telling people to eat kale, and I just like wasn't really oh, good at coaching. Yeah, I,
0: mean, I know
1: it wasn't my forte. And some people are amazing at it because they are really good at recognizing, you know, food is medicine, and I do yeah. believe that. Yeah, it just wasn't my path, right? So I'm gonna go spiritual on you for a second, but that night in my, in my sleep, as I was calling and requesting my mom's help, my mom came to me and, um, I've never had any experience like that before. And so for me, it was really, uh, alarming, mm-hmm. but I woke up at like four in the morning and I was looking around my room. Like, where is she? She's here. I can feel her. Like wow. I felt her presence. I, again, I never had felt that way. I have since, but man, I, I was like, where are you? Like literally, like whispering, thinking mm-hmm. she was there in my room, wow. and I started getting this message: love, loss, love, love, loss, love, love, loss, love. And finally, I like kind of like, fine, get my phone out because my husband's sleeping. <laughs> so, love, loss, love, love, loss, love. Like okay, and then all of a sudden, more stuff started coming. Okay. It was coming in too fast, so I like left my room. I'm a big journaler. I always have my journal. So like, grab my journal, like grab my pen. I go to the other room. Like just writing I wrote for four hours wow I drew my logo so if you ever go to laurajack.com there's like a little um there's a little tree with some leaves like falling on the right and like it's like the tree of life but it's like birth to death and the relit like rebirth and um like I drew my logo I wrote like the copy I wrote surviving to thriving like all my like it was the craziest I wrote my first Mm -hmm. keynote that I ever gave And the next morning, the last interaction I had with my father was me being crying and being like, you don't understand and like running to my room. And and he, he, I woke up and like, dad, mom came to me in the night. And he's like, okay. Yeah,
0: I was going to say, financial advisor. I'm sure sure he believed you enthusiastically.
1: Yes, he did. (laughs) Um, So he's like, so I was like, do you want to hear what I like, what I the messages I got? And he's like, okay, because he's curious. He's a curious guy. And so I read him what I had written, all of it, like four hours worth of writing. I show yeah. him my logo. I'm like, and he's crying. Really? He's crying. Wow. And I was like, well, shit, I'm onto something here. Yeah. Cause my dad is crying. <laughs> so yeah, that's
0: gotta took, be a surreal experience. Oh
1: my God. It took me like, that was what made it true. I knew with like my heart of hearts wow. that this was my path. Yeah, that would do it. So I didn't know anything about grief. I did, I had done everything wrong in many ways. I did a lot of good things for my own healing. Like all the stuff that I had done with surviving and thriving, I call it like the yin healing. It was all the feminine, like it was like massage and acupuncture and tapping. And like, I was literally willing to try anything yoga. Like Mm -hmm. I did all the things to help my body heal. And then I was looking for the young. So I was researching and writing and I was like, what do I know? You know, all this, what do I know? So I'm researching and I'm writing and I'm like looking into all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And then I found this book. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And I had read so many grief books at that point. So I, I was reading and reading and reading. So I was like, I need to figure out how to help people with this because I don't know if this is what I'm supposed to do. Love, loss, love, help people love their life after loss was how I interpreted it. Yeah. And I was like, how am I supposed to do that? So I was looking at all these books and just, I always found something wrong with like every book I read. I was always, cause I was looking with a critical eye, okay. you know, I was like, okay, well that's good, but not quite it, you know? Yeah. So I find this book, I down grief recovery handbook, the action program for moving beyond death, divorce, and other losses, including health, career, and faith. I was like, huh, that's interesting. Okay. So I order this book and I read the first 58 pages and like, as fast as a person can read. (laughs) And I was like, I mean, this is the original book and it's all highlighted. Yeah. Um, And I was like, Oh my God, this is it.
0: Yeah.
1: And I remember that night I fell asleep and in my dream, I dreamt that my husband died and I was devastated. But I was holding this book in my (sighs) hands like this, like across my chest, like I was hugging it. And my thought was, I'm so glad I know what to do. Right. And so on the back of the book, it had like, if you want to become a certified grief recovery specialist. Like go to this website or whatever. And I was like, okay. Like, so I go to the website and they had a phone number and I like talking to people just like you. So I called the phone number and I actually ended up talking to Cole James, who's the son of the founder. He's okay. now the CEO and, you know, leader, president of the company. Okay. Um, so I call and Cole answers, which who knows why he was on the phone at that point, but he answers the phone and we talk. And he's, I was like, well, I'm in Texas. Like I was in Austin at the time. I was like, can I, mm-hmm. December was the next one. This is January. So I'm like, oh. Wow. Like, Crap. So I have to wait till December till the next one that's in Texas. I didn't want to travel for it. I was oh. didn't have a ton of money. Was, yeah. And so I was like, all right. So basically for the next 10 months or 11 months from then, I sent this book to like everyone I knew who'd ever been through any kind of loss. It was like, do you want to go through this book with me? Do you want to <laughs> go through this book with me? So I went through <laughs> and did my own, like in the book, it like gives you instructions. So I like, I just like doing it. 25 people through the book and then i did an online group program which like later i found out i wasn't allowed to and now i teach the advanced training teaching people how to do what i did without (laughs) permission um back in the day but i did i took so many people through that by december when i got to my training in houston cole was the teacher and and i had i already knew this book inside and out i had taken so many people through it and at the first break, he comes over and he's like, can I talk to you? And I was like, sure. And he's, he's our age, young guy. Okay. Um, he's like, did my dad send you? And I was like, no, why? He thinks you're monitoring the class. <laughs> it's like, because it's my first training I've ever done by myself. I've, he had led a bunch of trainings with other trainers, but yeah, he had never done one for himself by himself and I kept asking like guided questions when I could tell he forgot something Uh or whatever (laughs) and so he thought he's like do you want to be a trainer and I was like yes I do (laughs) you know (laughs) it's like the chutzpah on this one right (laughs) and he was just like okay like if you're serious about it like come to bend in March so this was December come to bend in March which is where they lived um and um and you can start on the trainer track
0: that's hilarious
1: (laughs) (laughs) and I was like Okay. And I was like, this book, like it's the, the book that changed my life because yeah. I, you know, I still kept doing all this stuff. But all those other things that I told you, massage, health coaching, like all the things, they didn't last very long because the the teachings weren't that deep. This has <laughs> been going on for fourteen years. <laughs> you know, um, I've been doing, you know, I've been doing the grief work for so long because
0: yeah.
1: I had so much work to do to heal.
0: Yeah.
1: Wow. And because of my whole deep value of integrity thing, if you're going to teach it, you got to do it.
0: Yeah, that's, that's interesting. I, I, I run across that a little bit in the entrepreneurial space, that idea that, hey, I want to learn this. Therefore, I'm going to put myself in a position where I'm forced to teach. It's, it's rare, though. It's very rare. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's, if you have that integrity piece, it's a great way to force yourself to learn and absorb really quickly. Oh okay, yeah. so you get into the program, you're leading other people through it, but you're also going through it kind of for yourself. So what how the hell did that go? right? So 2013 the next couple of years you get, you get yourself straightened out almost right. through the process of helping other people through the same well, process. You,
1: so the beauty of this work is when you're in certification, they have you go through the work before you can teach it.
0: Yeah, makes sense.
1: So which is good because you can't teach what you aren't willing to try.'re yeah. right? like you do it, I'm not gonna do it. Yeah. like that's funny. So the first three days of certification is always you doing your personal work. okay. And so, and then, so I've done, you know, even just to become a trainer, I had to do nine, I had to go to nine certification trainings before I co-facilitated my 10th one. Wow. Um, So... I did at least nine relationships, and that's not including the 25 that I did when I was in partner work with other people before. Mm-hmm. I, and I've done over, I've done relationships like my husband over and over again, right? right? Because new stuff comes up all the time. So I'm, it's not that I'm grieving my husband. It's just that I'm grieving the relationship that we used to have, or like when we became parents, I grieved that. When you know things mm-hmm. change in our marriage, I grieve those things so I can be more up to date on how I feel and what I want to be and how I want to show up.
0: Okay, briefly dig into that because this is a concept that I wasn't familiar with until one of my mentors brought it up. And I think I know what you're getting onto and I wanna bring it out. So, when you say like you start, you grieve, you grieve, it transitions, things like that. Mm -hmm. Why do you do that?
1: So, let me share the definition of grief from this book because I think to me it's the most profound and eye opening and heart opening definition that I've ever come across. So, grief is the conflicting feelings that come at the end of or change in a familiar pattern of behavior. I'll say it again. The conflicting feelings. So it's not the bad, sad, terrible feelings. It's the conflicting feelings that come at the end of or change in a familiar pattern of behavior. So milestones, getting married, having a baby, getting a promotion, losing a job, retiring, um, like. COVID, (laughs) staying home, (laughs) not getting to have your wedding the way you wanted it to be, right? right? Like death of loved ones, estrangement, like death of less than loved ones, Mm -hmm. right? People you wanted to love, but you never did. People you wanted to know like your dad and you never did, right? Mm -hmm. Those are grieving experiences. We grieve aging. We grieve beauty. Mm -hmm. We grieve failures that we think of as failures, which I think mm-hmm. as feedback, but failures enough, mm-hmm. right? We grieve change. We grieve when we move. We grieve when our house burns down. We grieve when our children have diagnoses. We grieve when, our, when we have diagnoses, mm-hmm. right? Like life is a grieving experience because we constantly are in conflicting feelings when things are changing and everything's always changing. And the more quickly we can identify what those conflicting feelings are and honor that all the feelings we have are valid, Mm -hmm. the more quickly and easily we can move through them Mm. and the more beautifully we live our lives.
0: Hey, it's Matt. And if you want to turn your expertise into a lifestyle business without spending all day on social media, that is the question I am obsessed with. And you can get all of my podcast episodes, articles, sketches, videos, etc. It all goes into the Micro Famous field report, which is available only on Substack. So go to microfamous.substack.com, enter your email address to get access for free. And now let's get back to the conversation. That makes sense. That That expanded definition makes a lot more sense. That, that was that my, my mentor kind of exposed me to that idea, which I would have never considered, but you're so right. We think of grief as only having to do with some devastating, like what, you know, what you experience and what everybody experiences when they start to lose loved ones, we got, we, we confine it to that space. And you definitely don't think of it as, you know, like when you get married or something, you, you have to grieve the loss of, you know, just that, that state of independence,
1: you're, you're, it's like. And my dad, when he was in graduate school, he got like 17 job offers. He was like, it was so fun. Everybody wanted me. And then I chose a job and then it was over. Like, yeah, exactly. You know, and you grieve being desired. Like, yeah. even when you're like, you go from being single and you have a relationship and yay. And then also like, oh, no, I can't like sleep with other people anymore. Mm-hmm. Or like, you know, whatever you know, the thing is. And, yeah. and I don't, I don't want to make light of any of it because it's all very real. Yeah. Um, COVID has been a major awakening of understanding grief on a different level.
0: Oh, that's interesting. That's I have not heard it put that way before.
1: Would you like me to expand on that? I then? do. I
0: want you to expand. I'm leaving <laughs> space for you to do exactly that. I was like,
1: oh. is, I was like I'll hold space too if you want. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Uh, COVID to me has pulled the scab off and it has exposed all the infected, unresolved grief and wounds that we have been avoiding, ignoring because we could stay busy, stay distracted and Mm -hmm. just use TikTok all the time or whatever, (laughs) you know? Right, like-
0: Right, no, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, And I'm sure it made a lot of people really uncomfortable.
1: That's why we've seen so much suicide, so much divorce, so much abuse, so much estrangement. I mean, domestic violence has never been higher. Like Mm -hmm. these things are happening because we don't have anywhere to run and hide. Yeah. And so we're hiding in booze, we're hiding in technology, we're hiding in food. We, you know, we use these things to distract ourselves from the real feelings. Um, I have to read you something else from another book, if that's okay. Yeah, hit me. Okay. There's this amazing book that I just found called How to Be an Adult, which I think is so <laughs> awesome. <Seriously>? Yes. <laughs> okay. And it's an old book. It's an old book. But it's funny because I found it on vacation at, like at the Airbnb I was saying it. Okay. And I told, I was like taking pictures of the pages and my husband's like, are you going to take a picture of every page of this book? <laughs> because it was so good that I couldn't help. This, myself.
0: Uh, David Rico or Rico, David
1: Rico, David okay. Rico. Yeah. And it's an old book. Like it's yeah. not new, but it's been redone. Um, yeah. I, I, took so many pictures and I have to flip through for just a second, um, but adding, I'm going to find adding
0: it. to cart. Uh, yes, yeah, So oh. 1991 that it is, it's, uh, I love books like and that. I uh, was
1: born in 1940. So he's been around. Oh, wow. Right. So, okay, I have to read you this part. It says, um, I can't see what's happened on the page before from the picture. So it says, crisis help us advance on our path as long as we integrate them instead of interrupting them. Okay, so mm-hmm. I'm going to read you more. Some yeah. examples of the alternatives appear on this chart. Okay, so okay. I accept loss and I integrate it by grieving. Mm-hmm. I interrupt it by denying, blaming, or regretting. Mm-hmm. I accept rejection. By grieving and taking it as information, not meaning anything about me, right? But information that, oh, this isn't the right path or this isn't the right person or whatever. Right. I interrupt it by losing self-esteem or avenging myself or another.
0: Mm. Okay. okay. My
1: mistakes. I accept my mistakes. This is the last one I'll do. Okay. I accept my mistakes. I integrate it by amending, apologizing. Mm. I or I interrupt it by shifting responsibility covering up or having remorse without amends <laughs>
0: <laughs> which is which is the easier thing to do yeah
1: it's like i'm going to feel really shitty about myself and then uh, i'm not going to apologize because i have pride and my ego doesn't want me to right exactly right so <laughs> just simplifying it down but basically like we can integrate by actually doing the grieving work to heal right. to move yeah. through to feel the feelings and again that's like what i do so for mm. for my job or we can interrupt them by pretending that we're fine, by, you know, being strong, by waiting for time to heal us, by using, you know, um, external things to distract us like alcohol, technology, food, whatever it may be, which mm-hmm. is fine. It's not like, it's not to shame people for having those as they're coping. It's just recognizing these coping tools used to work, but they're actually not helping the or grow.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that was, that, that's something that I was exposed to by one of the, the, and we we're talking about the book beforehand, just acceptance and commitment therapy, that whole, there's a couple of books in that space. Yeah. But yeah, it, it brings awareness to the coping mechanisms and you go, okay, great, that's fine. They serve their purpose. Yep. But now that you're aware that that's what you're doing, then you can start fixing the underlying stuff and you can just use them for enjoyment rather than distraction from the feeling of the emotion. I'd never thought of it that way. So yeah, I mean, awareness is a lot of the, uh, you know, you can start to fix things once you dig into that. But anyway, yeah, yeah that's that's fantastic. I love it
1: yeah it's yeah. amazing and all i right. love i love all this. Thank all you. Right, we you talk
0: about this for five hours and i we want could. To, but, <laughs> you, i do want to mention your book
1: because <laughs> we
0: totally could just talk about this for like five hours because yeah this is this is stuff i've been it's one of those things where i haven't i've had to set some things aside as i worked through bigger issues like what i believe about religion like that's whew, that's a like questioning all the stuff I grew up with. That's a big thing.
1: The so I've had to do all that. The grieving experience, just so you know.
0: Oh, it's t- it's t- that's exactly what it is. Yes. So I've worked with, through that with a mentor of mine. And like, yes, that he yes. exposed me to that idea that that's exactly what that is. You're grieving essentially the loss of a childhood dream mm-hmm. and all those familiar patterns and all that stuff. So exactly. yeah, so I've dealt with that. And now I can come back to some some other stuff. But, yeah, it's it's definitely something I had to work through. and you're totally right. Like you the teacher does not appear until you're ready. There was years of like growing the business where I'm like, I, I know that stuff is there. I can't deal with it. I've got to just be in tactical action mode for a while. And then once the business got to a point, they're like, okay, now I'm at the point where I can start turning to this stuff. And it's, yeah, like it's it's hard to be okay with yourself when you're not at that point yet. Yeah. But you kind of have to just be okay with it.
1: And sometimes so, your business stops you in your tracks because it wants you to face the things, the harsh realities that you're avoiding. That is true. And you have to grow before you can grow.
0: That is very true. Yes. Um, I did not have that experience. I managed to white knuckle it. Uh, and, ba- <laughs> and that's totally what it is. I no, basically no. said, look, my mindset is all fucked up. I don't know what <laughs> to do about it right now. But I know how to put one foot in front of the other and do good work for people. And I was very fortunate that that solved enough of the problem. Yeah. So yeah, you can definitely, you know, like I always encourage people to white knuckle just like I do. I'm, I'm the example. Here. <laughs> um, okay. So let's, uh, let's finish with the compassion code. So yeah. tell me a little bit about just what's the big idea of the book and the thing that you yeah. hope that people take away from it.
1: Yeah. So I mean, I'll try to give you the brief as you know, I can't do brief very well. So we'll do the best we can. <laughs> um, so. After training hundreds of people through the grief recovery method, I realized that the one thing that most people had in common was that nobody knew how to talk to grieving people, mm. which is everybody. So how do you talk to people when they're going through hard times? Say mm. they, um, you know, they miss their flight. It's okay. a small thing, but it sucks, right? Yeah. But most people, oh, at least you're safe. At least you blah, blah, blah. At least you this, <laughs> right? Exactly. Yeah. Um, and I was the queen of silver linings. It oh, makes God, me that's asking, so annoying sometimes. It's so annoying. It makes me an excellent coach because I'm really good at looking at things from different perspectives. Not mm-hmm. that I silver line my clients ever, I do not. And because of my experience and looking at things from a different angle, I'm really good at finding the other angle, mm-hmm. right? So I wrote the compassion code because I thought to myself, if these counselors and clergy and social workers and doctors and psychiatrists and whoever else, and and lay people who just love helping grieving people have no idea how to talk to grieving people and they're grieving people. Mm-hmm. Then how the heck is anybody else supposed to do it? Yeah. And so I wrote the compassion code, how to say the right thing when the wrong thing happens. And really the undercurrent is without burning yourself out. Right. And while loving yourself along the way. Because, and so I, um, the first thing, the opening line just says, um, Dear compassionate warrior, does it ever feel like you have a sign across your head that says, tell me your troubles? You know who you are. You're the frontline of humanity, the compassionate undercover caregiver. You work with people daily, either personally, professionally, and you support them through their troubles. Mm -hmm. And then I I say, thank you for, I start by saying thank you. Thank you for being on the front lines. I know it's not always easy. Thank you for caring enough to ask. And more importantly, for caring enough to listen to the answer. We Mm -hmm. need more people like you on the planet. And so it's basically my guide to helping people actually show up effectively without burning themselves out along the way. Um, and and to give them a, you know, really practical and inspirational guide to help people in their lives so that they're like, oh shit, my so-and-so is going through like, had a miscarriage or their dog died or their best friend, um you know, is in the hospital or what do I say? What do I do? I don't know. Well, I, I wrote it all down so that people didn't have to have that feeling anymore of, I don't know, yeah. because you want to, I wanted to supply the bartenders and the personal trainers and the, and the therapists and all those people too. But all the people who are in those daily, you know, emotional laborious positions that they didn't get any training for Yeah. when it comes to emotional literacy, mm-hmm. I wanted to give them all the tools that they could have so that we could build a more compassionate world.
0: Which is a very good thing. It's one of the reasons I'm not a bartender, is I would have to listen to people and their problems. But uh, if you if you like <laughs> if you like yeah. that sort of thing, all right, it makes me sound like a terrible human. Okay, yeah. so people should go get the book. They should also connect with you and pay attention to you. So where where do they go to connect, and what's what's the what's the thing that you most want them to do? Like uh, the place where you're active, or you mm-hmm. know, uh, the place where you'd really like for people to make like a personal connection with you.
1: Yeah, well, at Laura at Laura Jack Coaching is my Instagram handle. That's like probably where I'm most active and sharing Perfect. things and doing Instagram lives on occasion. That's a new thing for me. Um, the compassioncodeacademy.com is where they can find all the information about me and my training and my speaking and you know blogs and all that stuff that I do. So those are probably the two easiest ways to really connect with me.
0: Awesome. I love it. All right. Well, we'll, we'll finish up with that. Uh, if anybody would like to run a show like this one, where you get to talk to amazing human beings and have great conversations, uh, reach out. There's probably a link somewhere around this episode because that's what our our podcast agency does on the back end. Um, and yeah, just leave us a review. Make sure to share the show. This is the type of episode where. If it's the right person in the right situation, like something like this can send them a nudge to get this book, where if you just said, hey, go get this. and they go, I'm not going to read that because um, I was like that. I was like that for years. If somebody would have sent me an episode like this, it would have I don't know that I would have necessarily changed, but it would have it would have softened my stance to where I would have gone. You know what? maybe that is the answer. And maybe I do need to do some work around that. So anyway, if there's if you're listening, there's anybody in your life that kind of springs to mind, maybe this would be a good way to expose them to some of the ideas without being a homework assignment of, hey, go read this 200-page book. Um, <laughs> anyway, all right. Thanks so much, Laura. I appreciate your time. And hopefully everybody oh, yeah. goes and can have to do. Thanks, Matt. Thanks for listening. Thanks for rating and reviewing the show. And especially thank you for sharing the show with other entrepreneurs and experts. Every time you share the show, you're putting life-changing ideas into someone's life. Now to get the MicroFamous field report that helps you turn your expertise into a lifestyle business without spending all day on social media, go to microfamous.substack.com and enter your email to access it for free. That's where you get all my podcast episodes, articles sketches videos everything goes into the micro Famous field report so go to substack sign up for that today so you get that and stay tuned for the next episode of one book that changed my life we'll see you there.